Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Okay, so there's four seasons in the Midwest, right? We've got fall, winter, spring, and summer. But in Wisconsin, we are a special exception to that rule because we actually only have two seasons, cold season and road construction, right? So I want to take a poll of the room. Who all in here has been under road construction in your normal pathways of life, whether you're on your way to work or your home? Yeah, okay, we've had a significant bridge taken out of our life recently, and it's just kind of thrown things off. I was about 15 minutes late to get here tonight because I forgot the bridge was out. Ah, and there's no highway access. Um, so road construction can really throw things off. Um, but as we think about construction, I, I want you to think about how God um, has constructed the human heart. We're going to be talking about how God created this place of worship for his people, the Israelites, to know God, to have relationship with him through the construction of the tabernacle. And God gave a blueprint for that. In the same way, God has a blueprint in the way that he's designed our human heart, the things that we long for, the things that we need, the things that we're attracted to, the things we're repulsed by. God has designed our heart with a very specific design. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at the tabernacle, the blueprint of the tabernacle, and looking at the blueprint of how God has created our hearts to have relationship with him. So with everything sturdy that's construction, uh, that's constructed, and also withstands the test of time, so for example, things that aren't well constructed. Uh, yesterday was a gorgeous day and my kids were at home and I was working on some stuff so I needed them to play contentedly by themselves, <laughs> with themselves. So we made a makeshift tent in the backyard. I took an old bedroom sheet and a bunch of twine and yarn and like hooked it up to all tall branches that connected in different triangles. And I had this really cool idea in my mind. By the time I got it all strung up and hung up, I think it like was a foot off the ground and it wasn't cool and the kids didn't use it and this morning I was like it's not gonna rain today and it rained and it's all wet and I stopped to take it down so that makeshift construction is a great example of why we have blueprints right you don't want to walk into a building and be like boy I really hope this building holds together I hope it's constructed well no someone had to think up how the beams would pushed together so they could be strong, so they wouldn't buckle with time. There's buildings that are thousands of years old in the world, and people still walk into them without fear of it collapsing on them because they're so well constructed. And so a blueprint, a plan, is a very important thing to have. And God has an ultimate blueprint plan for his design in our hearts and a timeless way that we are to approach him in worship and in relationship. So today we're going to start our new series, and um, we are going to look at how the heart is the very core of who we are. So the Bible talks a lot about the heart. The heart is, is our 
desires and our emotions and our behaviors and the things that we think about. The heart is the very core of who we are. Our behaviors come out of our heart. Our goals and ambitions come out of our heart. Our feelings come out of our heart. And so the heart is a very essential part of our lives and the way we connect with God and the way we connect with each other. So our natural heart, our fallen heart, our sinful-natured heart is one that's pretty broken. Our sinful nature is selfish and prideful and greedy and arrogant and lustful. I know it sounds shaming, but we, we all are there sometimes. To be honest, we all need a reconstructed heart sometimes. God needs to get our heart reconstructed to the blueprint of what he has designed so we can know him. Um, when Jesus settles his blueprint planned heart into our souls, we're under his construction and his design for our lives and what is best for us and what will help us to know him and love him and serve him better. And so um, we'll be looking at several places through the Bible over the next couple of weeks. But one key verse that we're going to land on every week that I want to encourage us all in the room, myself included, I haven't done this yet, so I'm holding myself accountable. I want us to memorize together Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 through 27. And so go ahead and write it down because I know you're going to go home and think about this verse and work on it to memorize it over this next month. Uh, God says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So as we look at the blueprint of the heart that God intends to build afresh in us, we'll be exploring some of those longings and needs that we have, um, and we're going to take our time to do that. This week, we're going to begin our journey looking at the blueprint of the heart through the tabernacle um, to look as the heart needs to be, um, our, each one of our hearts is a heart that needs to belong. Everyone in this room has a need in your heart that God has put there by design, the need to belong. So if you're sitting here tonight and you think, I'm the only one who feels like I don't belong, or I'm the only one in this room who doesn't know where I belong, that's a need that God has put in your heart. So I want to celebrate that for a minute because it's that need that draws us to who God is. We're going to sit on that tonight and see what God has to say about that. Um, have you ever seen a construction site that's like remodeling the outside of a building or it's even building the building itself? It's like this um, skeletal framework that, that construction workers will put around the building. There's several layers, so there's poles that hold it together and then there's several layers that the construction workers can work on to paint or install new windows or to replace siding of a building. This framework is called scaffolding. And a scaffold is, is an important part of construction. It falls apart really easily, but because of scaffold, um, construction workers can bring supplies up with them. If they fall, they don't fall far because they just fall to the next level. Scaffolding is something that's been used for thousands of years. So even like we have blueprints of buildings from back in the medieval times where they use scaffolding. We have um, pictures of cavemen painting in caves using scaffolding. We see Romans using scaffolding through at 300 AD, and people even think that they use scaffolding to build the pyramids. So this is not a new construction technique, but it is an essential technique to help a building become stable and built. 
we also see God scaffolding layer by layer his salvation plan that draws our hearts to who he is. God doesn't just show up and everything makes sense all of a sudden. He doesn't show up um, with Adam and Eve when they fell away from God in the garden and says, okay, I'll fix it. Here's Jesus. He takes time to build the salvation story. He takes time to reveal who he is to Abraham. And he takes time to show the people of Israel who he is in the wilderness with Moses. God takes time to build the prophetic prophecies through the prophets in the Old Testament that lead up to Jesus. And then Jesus comes at the epicenter of history and shows up in his redemptive work at just the right time. And now, because we have the Bible, we see the end of time in Revelation. So the privilege that we have in the time that we live right now is we get to see the whole plan of salvation laid out for us. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful I was born after Jesus because I'm not Jewish and I wouldn't have been a part of his kingdom. And I'm so thankful for Jesus. And for those of you in this room today who's not Jewish, I'm so thankful that you know Jesus and you're part of God's family too because we get to live after Jesus died on a cross for our sins so we can be a part of the family of God. Um, so I want to kind of settle in on the story of the Egyptians, or uh, the Israelites as they were in bondage to slavery in Egypt during that time. So we're going to be looking through Exodus a little bit. So one of the first blueprints of belongings we see is in the Israelites in their relationship with God coming out of Egypt. Um, the Israelite people had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. The workload was tremendous. They were under horrible stress and pain. They were forced to drown their baby boys in the Nile River to decrease their own population. The oppression that they felt as they belonged to Egypt was horrible and gut-wrenching, and they needed salvation. And the Bible says that they began to cry out. It doesn't even say they began to cry out to God, and it makes me wonder if they forgot who they belong to, because they begin to cry out. And God remembers. God remembers his people. He remembers the promise that he made to Abraham. So Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 and 25 um, says that they cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and J Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. God knew it was time for his people to know who they actually belonged with. God brought the Israelite people out of Egypt, and they were no longer captive. God freed them through miracles and signs and wonders, and they belonged only to God, but they weren't fully aware of who they belonged to. They knew this God saved them, but they didn't know who he was because they were exposed to so many other Egyptian gods. In some sense, they knew, okay, this God's powerful and mighty, sure, but there's a lot of these other gods out here too, but I'm really glad this one cares for me now because I'm out of Egypt. They had to know who God was. So God took them through the wilderness to a place called Mount Sinai. And here the people camped for a while simply for the sole purpose of knowing the God whom they belonged to. God introduces himself and his glory to Israel on Mount Sinai. The people were so overwhelmed by his glory, they didn't know what to do. They were, have you ever had that emotional feeling of like, I feel so overcome right now. I don't even know what to do. They felt so overcome by God and who he was 
they didn't know what to do. They felt like they were going to die. Uh, the Bible says, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling in fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. God had built the scaffold for the way for his people to know him and to experience him. They had seen their need to belong to God, and when they came face to face with God Almighty, they knew who they belonged to, who they belonged to, and they were overcome by who God was. They they belonged to God, but they needed a way to relate to him in a way that they could commune with him without dying. That's how awesome God's presence was to them. Um, and so here, here makes me think, how can you have a relationship with someone you don't know, right? So the number one thing that God wanted to do with his people was to reveal who he was to them. They hadn't, um, they hadn't made any covenant yet with him, not yet, that was coming soon, but they hadn't done that. They hadn't done any of the sacrificing, they hadn't done any of the elements of worship that we're familiar with. And yet, the first thing that God did was he revealed who he was to the people so they could know who they belonged to. Think about a significant relationship in your life outside of Jesus, outside of God, outside of church. It might be a spouse that you're connected to. It might be a really close friend. It might be a family member. And, and think about that good relationship you have with that person. How could you have a relationship with that person if you didn't know them? If you had never met, you couldn't, you couldn't have a relationship with that person. I love how God shows us who he is, that there's nothing that we can do to force God to show us who he is. We know God exists because we've experienced him, that people in history have experienced and, and have passed that on to us, that God, by his grace, even shows us that he exists in the first place, that we can love him because he loved us first. Not that we've earned his love, that not that we've earned the right to know he is, but God loves us to show us that he is. And more than that, that we belong with him. God's people belong with him. Um, so uh, I, I think about like Adam and how God had told Adam one of the first things was, hey, I want you to name all of the animals that I've created. And it made me think, kind of funny, if like Adam was naming all the animals, he wouldn't just be like, oh, and there's an animal out there somewhere, and I'm going to call it a giraffe, but I don't know what it looks like because I've never seen it before. He, he wouldn't have done that because he didn't know a giraffe existed in order to name it. In 2005, there was an uh, animal at that was discovered for the first time by scientists that lives over two, uh, two kilometers underneath the ocean. So this is a place that we cannot go to because the pressure of the ocean would crush us and our ships and all those things. It's dark down there. There's no sunlight at the bottom of the ocean floor. Um, it's hot because there's volcanic activity down there. It's so hot that scientists didn't think anything could exist down there. And yet they found a Yeti crab. A Yeti crab. Can you imagine a Yeti crab? I wonder what it tastes like. Like, there's no way to figure that out, right? But now we know it's there, and so we can name it. Now we know there's a Yeti crab. Don't you feel enlightened? <laughs> and I think, God, that's so funny. Not that we know everything as humans, 
But I love that God put a Yeti crab at the bottom of the ocean, and it's lived there since the creation of the world, and there's no purpose, right? Like, we don't know about the Yeti crab, but it still exists because God's pleasure in creating the Yeti crab exists. God wants to show us who he is because he exists. God wants to show us who he is because we exist for his pleasure. Um, And so one of the first ways that we come in relationship with God is our need for belonging, but we have to know who God is, and God put the need to belong in our hearts so we could experience his his, uh, presence in our life. So God responds to the people's desire and uncertainty about belonging with him by giving Moses a blueprint of the tabernacle. So the people were so overwhelmed, they needed a way to access God without feeling like they were going to die. And in Exodus 28 and 9, uh, God says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. In the following six chapters, of Exodus, there's a very detailed layout or blueprint of how the tabernacle is to be constructed. And the cool thing about the layout of the tabernacle is we see this repeated in the construction of the temple, and then we see this in in Revelation, in in the presence of God when we all are in heaven around the throne room. We see all these elements from the tabernacle all throughout time. And God has put these elements of the tabernacle in our own heart. Um, And so there's very specific ways that the tabernacle was to be built. So the supplies that were gathered were from the people, what they brought with them out of Egypt, gold and bronze and gems, incense, dyes, oil, spices, leather. Um, The tabernacle was a special design tent, so it could be put together and then taken down, and the presence of God could go with the people as they followed where God wanted them to go. God wanted his presence to remain with his people. One specific supply that God was very, very intentional about with how the tabernacle was built is you see a repeated wood over and over again. All of the elements of the tabernacle were made out of acacia wood. And when you read it, it's like, Lord, why acacia wood? Why not like some other kind of wood? Well, they're in the wilderness, so they're surrounded by rocks and dirt and more boulders and rocks and acacia wood. It's the only wood that grows in the Sinai Desert. And so the people had access to acacia wood, and it makes me think about how God uses what we have in order for us to approach him, to have relationship with him. I think a lot of times we think that we have to go out of our way to get something special or something worthwhile when God is just saying, what do you have? What do you have access to? He asked Moses, what's in your hand? It was a staff, and God used that staff to bring freedom to the people of Israel. He asked the disciples, um, Jesus asked the disciples what to feed the people with, and they found what they had was a little boy's lunch. That's it, that fed 5,000 people. He asked the woman at the well what she had. She had a drink of water, and Jesus introduced her to himself as the living water. God takes what we have access to to bring us into relationship with him. The other really cool thing about acacia wood is that it's aromatic. There's a really pleasant aroma to this wood. 
Now, as the people made the poles that fit together, they also were instructed to cover it with gold. So while they're moving around the wilderness, they're not going to smell the acacia wood, the original scent of the acacia wood. But God knows our hearts, right? God's more concerned about the interior of who we are instead of the exterior. Uh, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, uh, God says, People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so if someone were to look at the tabernacle, it's all shiny, it's all golden, it's beautiful in the middle of a desert. And yet God knows at the interior there's a very simple acacia wood that's pleasing in aroma. Our hearts need to be pleasing in aroma to the Lord. No matter what the outside look at looks like, we could look like we have it together, we can do all the right things, we can look the right way, but if our hearts aren't pleasing to the Lord, that's not where we want to be. That's not where we belong. God wants our heart. God wants the interior of who we are. The people belong to the presence of God, and God had chosen this people to belong to God. God made his dwelling out of all the places in the world. He made his dwelling with this people. They belong to God with each other, and God belonged to him in his own gracious choosing. There's a need to belong inside of every one of us. This is part of the blueprint that God has designed for our heart. It is intentional by God. Belonging is a desire or a longing for relationship, a place and a people to go along with or to relate to. Now, sometimes we can kind of think of belonging like, I just want to fit in somewhere. But fitting in is different, right? When you walk in the room and you think, I want to fit in, then you're going to look around the room and be like, okay, what is, what is everybody else doing and how do they look and how, do, how can I mimic that behavior? That's fitting in. God wants us to belong with him. That means we get to be our authentic self with God, that God showed himself to us while we were still sinners and he accepts us for who we are and grows us graciously to be more and more like Jesus. Um, we need to belong. Uh, there's a famous psychologist by the name of Abraham Maslow. I know that m probably all of us in this room has heard of him from like ninth grade psychology class in high school. But he developed this uh, human hierarchy of needs. So obviously we all need air, food, um, sleep. If we didn't have any of those basic things, we, we would die, right, or go crazy. Um, so that's the first level. And then the second level is like we need things like a job so that way we can be sustained. We need shelter. We need clothing. We need things like that to help us to have um, comfortable living. And then the third tier is every human being needs to be loved and every human being needs to belong it's essential in the nature of who God made us. The need to belong is from God. And this can feel like a lonely venture sometimes, can it? There have been plenty of times in my life when I felt like I belonged, but I didn't necessarily fit in. And there's been times in my life when I felt like I fit in, but I could never really belong. And I wonder how many of this this room feels that way too, that maybe sometimes you fit in, but you don't quite belong. Or maybe you belong, but you don't quite fit in. I've, I've spoken with 13-year-olds in the youth group. I've spoken with middle-aged people in here. I've spoken with older adults who are stuck at home because of age or health. And like, no matter what age, there's this need of, I just know, I want to know where I 
belong. I want to feel like I belong. It's essential in the way that God has created our nature. If you're feeling the yearning to belong, be, be encouraged. You do belong. Whether you feel like you fit in or not, God has a place of belonging for you with him and in the body of Christ. God's blueprint gives us a place to belong, someone to belong to, and a purpose to belong for. And God has equipped us that we can belong in all of those places. So let's take the Israelites' tabernacle blueprint, and we're going to sit on the scaffolding that God has for us to learn about belonging tonight before we leave. And and the first scaffold of belonging is, number one, you belong with God. The first scaffold, the very primary, basic, bottom line scaffold is that you belong with God. The Israelites belonged with God. They needed him and they didn't even realize it until he set them free. They were being tormented. They may have even imagined that they belonged in Egypt, having lost their identity over time. And God is the one who knew the Israelites needed to belong to him and not Egypt. It's almost like he he pulled them out of Egypt, but then after they were out of Egypt, he needed to pull Egypt out of them. So they knew who they belonged to. And I wonder if there's people in this room tonight who feels like, Sure, I'm, I'm with Jesus, and I've been pulled out of my old life and into the life that God has for me. But is that old life needing to be pulled out of you? Sometimes we can cling to the things we're familiar with, no matter if they're dysfunctional or not, thinking that's where our hearts belong. But it's a lie. Your heart belongs fully with God through Jesus Christ. Exodus 2.24 says, God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can often feel this need to belong and think we belong to a certain group of people, or we belong to our suffering, or we belong to our addictions, or we belong to our loggings for influence and value. You have the need to belong because it's been put in you by God, but don't lose track of why it's there You have the need to belong because you belong with God, first and foremost. Having a relationship with God is the very reason you exist, like the Yeti crab at the bottom of the sea. The only reason that crab exists is because God put it there. The only reason you exist is because God put you here with a purpose and a plan, and that's so important. You're here today at this time as the person you are to know that you belong with God. When God gave Moses the blueprint of the tabernacle, there was a a fence of sorts put all the way around the tabernacle courtyard. And it went all the way around with the exception of one entryway. There was one way in to this area to worship the one true God. They had to enter through one way, one gate to get into the tabernacle. You belong with God, and there is one entry point to get to God. Each one of us belong with God, and there is one entry point. More than that, each person in the world belongs with God, but there is only one entry point to enter God's presence. God has shown us that entry point that Mike had pointed out earlier. Jesus says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. And Jesus also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So when we get home tonight, we might look at our homes and think, I really want to go in that home. 
my favorite chair is in that home. The book I'm reading is in that home. The show I want to watch is in that home. I just, I just really like that home. I'd really love to be in that home right now. The people I love is in that home. I really, like, look, hey, look at my home. That's my home. Isn't that a great home? How can I get in that home? Seems obvious, right? You get in your home by going through the front door. You open the door and you walk in. We look at God sometimes in awe and we observe him and we say, I want to be with you, God. I just really want to spend time with you. But the one way to have access to the presence of God, to be home, to belong with him is through Jesus Christ. He is the door and we, the need to belong can be so intense. And I want you to know there is a way to belong with God, and that's through Jesus. He's done all the work for us to get there. The only way to fill the need to belong is number one, first and foremost, is to know that you belong with God, and Jesus is the gate. He's the only way to get to God, the only way to get access into relationship with God. We can do all the right things. We can say all the right things. But the only way to have access to God is through relationship with Jesus. Which brings us to scaffold number, brings us to scaffold number two, is that you belong with yourself. First we belong with God, and then you belong with yourself. It's true that you belong to yourself. So how often can we get caught up in thinking, that, oh, I, I could be more satisfied if I was more like that person. Or I could be more um, sensing of belonging and, and place if I could have that job. Or if I could live in this location. Or if I could have this much salary. Or if I could have that marriage. Or I could have this girlfriend or boyfriend. If I could do this, then I would feel content. Then I would feel like I belong. But it's just not true. God has called you to belong to yourself. God has a purpose and a plan for your individual individual life. You can't go through your life through the experiences and the giftings of others. You can't go through the li- your life through the blessings of others, through the stories of others. God has built in you your own story, your own testimony to give glory to him and to bring him praise. God has equipped you for the good work that belongs to you. And God has predestined good work for you to enjoy, for the place to enjoy it in. God has set eternity in your own heart, not in other people's hearts for you. God has created you and woven you and breathed into you with a purpose and plan for your life. You belong with God and you belong with yourself with God. And then scaffold number three is you belong with community. So first you belong with God, and then you belong with yourself, and then you belong with the community of Christ. And this scaffold in the human heart blueprint can be a little bit tricky because then it's not about me trying to build community. It's about us doing this together, of us building this part of the building together, right? Um, we can put a lot of effort into building belonging in our community, but sometimes it's just not reciprocated. And as the body of Christ, it's our priority to sincerely build and do life together in community. And this doesn't mean that we all need to be best friends. That's not possible for our human heart to take. Even Jesus, the creator of the universe, the Messiah, God himself, Jesus Christ, had three best friends. 
Jesus had exclusive relationships. After those three best friends, he expanded to the 12, and then the 72, and then the hundreds. If Jesus can have close relationships, you can too, okay? So be free to have close relationships, to not worry about offending other people. It's also very important that you do have close relationships, that you are in community with others, that you put yourself out there so that way you can know people and people can know you because you belong with community, whether you're outgoing or not outgoing, whether you extroverted or introverted, it is important for you to build community with others. And it's also important for you to help community to be built for other people. So I want to challenge you that next time you come in this room, and even tonight before you leave, meet one person that you've never met yet. This church is so big. Every time I'm in this church, I'm like, I don't know all of these people in this foyer right now. I mean, it's amazing. If you walk out of your way in a different path, you will see people you've never seen before. And I've learned not to ask, oh, are you new at Oak Creek? Because then I'll usually get the answer of like, no, I've been here for 20 years. Sorry. (laughs) So if you want a new question, say, hi, we go to church together. How long have you been coming to Oak Creek Assembly of God? Um, But I just want to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone and create a place of belonging. If you feel like you want to belong, then help someone else to feel like they belong. I've been in those shoes where I've walked into a room and been like, I don't feel like I belong here. I hope someone else makes me feel like I belong. But if you walk into the room with eyes open, looking around to think, who can I help feel like they belong here? Because they belong here. You're going to feel so much more confident in the way that you approach relationships And you're going to build community. So next time you come to church, whether it's this Sunday or you come back to life together next week, learn someone's name and then call them by that name next time you see them. It's not just the pastors or the staff or the volunteers' jobs to build community. It's all of our jobs to invest in the community of Christ and to make this a place of belonging. You belong with God and you belong with yourself and you belong with the community of Christ. And I know I know that the need to belong is gut-wrenching sometimes because sometimes we just don't have the strength to reach out. Sometimes there's pain and hurt and rejection so deep that we don't even know where to start the mending. You belong with God. You are precious. You belong with God. And he loves you so much, so much. He loves you so much that we heard this sermon during worship tonight. This is the Holy Spirit's message to us tonight. You have the need to belong because God wants you to know who he is. God wants you to find place in him. God wants you to be yourself in the community of Christ because you are incredibly valuable whether people know your name or not. You have place and belonging And that's from God. And it's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. If there's anyone in this room tonight who's been thinking, you know, I feel drawn to God and I just want to know more about him. But I'm not sure how I can have a relationship with him. It starts by walking through the gate with Jesus. If you're like me and you've been following Jesus for decades and you find yourself a little bit lost or a little bit tired or a little bit like you don't belong, walk through the gate. Walk into home with God. 
Don't give up. Keep pursuing God's presence. God will meet you. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, that the blueprint of your heart, God has designed you to be connected with him because you belong with him. I'm so thankful for that. Lord, we love you so much tonight. Thank you for showing us who you are. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, you initiated love for us, and we can love you back. God, anytime I say, I love you, Lord, I know it's me saying, I love you too, because you've already told me that you love me. God, you've already told everyone in this room that you love them, and if they haven't heard that message from you yet, if they haven't experienced your presence yet, Lord, I pray that you would open the floodgates, Lord that you would step onto their Mount Sinai and you would show them your glory, that you would show them that you're not just a story, you're not just a gathering on Wednesday and Sunday, but you're with them in their homes and in their workplace and in the store and when they feel discouraged and when they feel lighthearted. Lord, you're there and you want us to pursue you and know you, God. Father, I pray that you would take away all the distractions that Pull us away from belonging with you, God. Sometimes we try to fill that need to belong with other things, with entertainment or relationships that, that don't fill us like you fill us, God. Father, take away the idols of our heart. I pray that you would put a new heart in us. Lord, a soft heart, a heart full of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would take out the stoniness that has built up residue in our heart, that is hard in our hearts toward you. Lord, that you would forgive us of our sin, those things that we've done knowingly and the things that we've done not realizing that it's, it's sin against you, God. And I ask that you'd forgive us. Father, give us your heart. Give us your heart, the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to serve people like you serve us, God, the willingness to love others the way that you love us. God, we want true community, not, not fake stuff. We want authentic community with, with you and with the body of Christ. Lord, I pray for peace in people's hearts tonight. I pray for peace. Lord, there's, there's a lot of difficult situations tonight that I know about, relationships and health and discouragement, Lord. And I pray for your healing, oh God. Show us who you are, that we could be your people, that you would be our God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.